Welcome to Tunes and Tumblers by Atwood Magazine. Listening to music is more than just an auditory experience. Tunes and Tumblers explores the way our senses mingle by pairing new and classic albums with cocktail and mocktail recipes. We invite you to bring out your inner mixologist as we approach the music we love from a unique, immersive, and thoroughly delicious perspective. So put up your feet and enjoy a cold one on us. I'm your host, Anthony, and Hot Vax Summer is in full swing. The world is opening, the beaches are filling, and the disrespect for personal space is absolutely appalling. (laughs) I went to a dance party last weekend, and let me tell you, it made me miss the spiraling claustrophobia of quarantine. I can only be stepped on and elbowed by so many drunk people before I realize that in some respects, the pandemic might have been a blessing. Nature isn't healing so much as it is washing over us like a tsunami. Please shelter yourselves responsibly. Of course we all know that drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I blew a conch shell and assembled the TNT team, and they are... Brian, your music connoisseur. And Pedro, your mixologist. And our guest today is a rap artist and comedian from Chicago. He spent the better part of two decades defining the world of art rap, a term he coined himself for left-field and avant-garde rap music. He's involved with the hip-hop collective Project Blowed, which has been an essential outlet for much of LA's underground hip-hop culture since 1994. He's also far more versed in the podcast game than we are, hosting the shows Conversation Parade, Secret Skin, Tights and Fights, and the Starburns Hip Hop Interview Pod, What It Happened Was. He's here today to talk all about his art activism and his latest, most personal album, Anime Trauma and Divorce. Tunes and Tumblers fam, please welcome Open Mike Eagle to the pod. You. Hey. Hi. <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, folks. This is this is already going to be fun, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we, we love that confidence. And um, I think no one here is perhaps more excited to see you than producer Drew here. He He's the one who introduced us to your music. Drew. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Drew. Drew. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's fair to say that we were immediately smitten. Smitten makes me think about the movie Bambi. No, it's Twitter pated. Is Twitter pated? Yeah, Twitter pated. They're Twitter pated. Very much so. And we're eager to get mm-hmm. into it. Uh, there's so much to talk about, and I'm hoping we can even get some of those expert podcasting tips from you. But first, let's catch up. What has everyone been listening to over the past week? I like to check in with Passion of the Weiss blog once in a while. There's a May 2021. Hey, shout yeah. out to Jeff Weiss. That's my guy. Yeah, pretty pretty fantastic writing and reviews as always. And so he did a roundup of uh, or some uh, a writer there did a roundup of DJ mixes from May, which I like to check into because that's I feel like kind of the best music discovery. I feel like. And there's one from uh, Jada G that's on um, it's the latest DJ Kicks mix that she did. So lots of good old school house funk disco universal togetherness band. Love it. Good mix of stuff. So I've been digging into that. Need to be up on my dj mixes more yeah. i think wedding season's so, coming. wedding season yeah, wedding <laughs> season's coming exactly uh i'll go next i've i've been a fan of the studio killer since like 2013 and i was like always kind of bummed that they never got to do like you know as big a tour as they would have wanted and all that stuff but i'm hoping that like in the future it'll happen and recently they collaborated with the Knox and released bedroom eyes and it's just such a fun song i love it studio killers are great they're like an animated band it's actually two guys but the animated band is um a girl named Cherry, 
um, a mink named Dynamink and a fox named Goldie Fox. And they're just, they make this really great dance music um, with a really cool perspective in our direction that I just love. So I'm hoping they keep doing big stuff and that they'll be on a, a festival circuit soon, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And Mike, you want to take it next? Um, so two things with me. One um, is my lie answer. My lie answer uh, <laughs> is that I've been listening to a lot of Frank Black's solo music lately. Um, it's very comforting to me to listen to his stuff from like 96. Um, I was listening to the Frank Black and the Catholics a lot, and Cult of Ray, that kind of stuff. Um, but then the true answer, because if there was a pie chart of my listening, this would be more of it, <laughs> is my own demos. Because I've been making mm. a lot of music lately. Yes. So I'm listening to my own demos more than anything. But that is that reflects a narcissism that is not wholly true of me <laughs> i mean you got to be your own biggest fan to start well yeah and it's it's just it's it's the refining process right. and all of that as well i right. got to keep listening and, and tweaking stuff and all of that too we respect the grind here mm-hmm. absolutely um i guess i'll round things out uh so recently i've been getting very into olivia rodrigo's new album <laughs> don't laugh at me i see what you're doing <laughs> I really respect her. I like where she's taking pop music right now. And I've been listening to her very first song, which was Driver's License. And I, I got to be honest, I cannot listen to that song without tearing up. I think that nothing else in mainstream pop radio right now captures both the nostalgia and kind of the ambivalence of loss quite like it. And uh, according to her, it was written for the TikTok algorithm, but I think it kind of transcends that trendiness and disposability of a lot of those songs that exist just for the purpose of getting plays. Like, I, the, the, her lyrics are very specific and yet so universal. Isn't that, isn't that something that we've uh, dived into on the pod before? Like, get as specific oh, yeah. as possible, and that opens up your music universally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually think that that is a great segue into talking about mike's album because it's very specific yes and also i relate to it so much Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also before we do a quick reminder that everything we mention on the pod goes directly onto the accompanying playlist so you know use that power responsibly and also i believe because we're on spotify we can put specific podcast episodes onto this playlist so we mention any of your uh your episodes mike they can go directly next to your music in there that's super dope i didn't know they could do that i should be doing that for my podcast network (laughs) (laughs) putting putting episodes on playlists yeah i think spotify started doing that with their like morning drive playlists where it's just like you listen to three songs and then NPR for like five minutes. I kind of like that. <laughs> sometimes when I'm on a drive, I'm like, I love music, but like sometimes I just want to hear some talking. Honestly, you need to break it up. Absolutely. Well, now that we've broken the ice, let's take this party into the Tunes and Tumblers bar. We're still getting things back to normal after the pandemic, and that means a lot of sweeping up and getting rid of the old bouncer who went feral holding, pulling up here during the <laughs> pandemic. Um, don't worry, the new guy uh, is perfectly sane, but he wants to see your ID, Mike. Did you bring okay. anything to show him? <laughs> I did. I brought um, a new Walkman. It's made to look like an old Walkman. Ooh, oh my okay. gosh. And inside of it, um, that's how you know it's, it's me. Uh, inside of it is a real mixtape that I made circa 1996. Oh my God. Wow. That is so uh, cool. And it's covered in masking tape because at one point it broke right down <laughs> the middle. Love it. And I had oh. to re-loop it 
and tape it all back together because this was one of my what I called all-star tapes where I would tape underground rap radio. Uh, I would like fall asleep taping it because all the shows were at like midnight to three in the morning. Right. And then I'd wake up and listen and and find the goodies. And then I would make a tape of just the goodies. And that was one of these. Mm. And I couldn't oh, let wow. it go. That is awesome. So That is so cool. Oh, this is that. that. I miss, well, I was too young for the mixtape, but I was definitely into like the mix CD. 100%. Era. Oh. Hundred percent. What were these? Were these underground? Were these like on college stations or where? Were, where did? Yep. Yeah. Uh, WHPK and WNUR were like the college stations you could get in Chicago. One is from the University of Chicago. The other one I think is from Northwestern. Oh, that's interesting. Awesome. Wow. Also, I lied. I did make mixed uh, mixtapes. I just remembered. I was like very young, and what I would do is I would hold up like. The, the child's like play stereo thing up oh, next man. to it. Ne- I would hold I it that. next to my yeah, mom's stereo. Microphone. Yeah. And like record that way, like the song as I was hearing. <laughs> I can't believe that thing, that tape plays with the tape on it. That's it unbelievable. Does. Wow. I mean, I, I had very little options and a lot of free time when I was young. <laughs> so I had time to do tape surgery that I certainly don't have time for today. <laughs> That's man. a lot of dedication. That's a specialized art, I feel like, oh, or, yeah. or trade maybe. Yeah, I. It's funny how we, how I, I did a tape thing too because I had a dad who was against Napster at the time, mm. and so I had to do the tape. I that was the only way I thought I could get <laughs> certain things. In this house, <laughs> we make mixtapes. <laughs> right. Thanks, Mike. That's so cool. I love that. I feel like every time we do these artist IDs, they get better and better each time. I wish like we could we could be like the like the Applebee's of of like oh, music yeah. pubs where we just have like all of them all over the walls, just that random stuff. <laughs> when, when we open our bar, like our real brick and mortar bar, we're just going to have all the IDs on the wall mm-hmm. yeah. from under, Luna Aura's un, under the overpass on Lincolnshire. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it from Luna Aura's, um, uh, birdhouse, Airstream oh, yeah. birdhouse <laughs> to Abhi the nomads, <laughs> chicken strips. <laughs> we're going to get them bronzed. <laughs> we're going to get the chicken strips bronzed. Well, here we are, Mike. This is our bar. Um, I know it just looks like a Zoom call, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's home. It's a state of mind. It's one of the better looking Zoom calls I've seen, uh, to be honest. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be able to see like depth of field. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Most of us were film majors here. We know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is all state. This is all production design behind you. <laughs> this is actually a green, nice. this is actually a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I think it's time we listen to some tunes. Uh, Ryan, what do we have on the jukebox today? Well, on this jukebox, folks, we have uh, Anime, Trauma, and Divorce, the latest album from Open Mike Eagle, out now on Auto Reverse Records. Woo! Yuck. All right. That's one of my favorites, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love this album, too. Mm-hmm. I think when we first listened, Pedro here described it as a breath of fresh air. Uh, mm, that's yes. very interesting. <laughs> well, it was it was a uh, w- when I said breath breath of fresh air, I mostly meant in terms of like things that we usually discuss. It was like I see, yeah. It was mostly it was it was a nice break from from things that we usually like types of music that we usually cover, um, which was really that's nice. What's up. But yeah, I know what do you guys usually what kind of stuff do you guys usually listen to just out of curiosity? Like mostly like alternative pop like type of stuff. Yeah, that, those are the submissions we usually get and the artists I that see. we. Um, that we go after too. And we love them, but when to switch it up like this is always really nice. Oh yeah. Nice. I think yeah. We we haven't uh we haven't gotten a rap artist in the room in like three months now. Yeah. Or two it's two or three months. I think since Abby. Abby yeah. Abby was the last one. 
we try and have local folks on as well. Mm, um, yeah. Dent May. Dent May was on as well at one time. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I want to get back to anime trauma and divorce. Uh, oh. Like I said, there, I think there's so much to it. The beats are catchy. The lyrics are sharp and probing. And the themes play directly into the kind of conversations we've had about loss, right. rebuilding, and mental turmoil. Um, this may not be the lightest material we've ever discussed, but I'm beyond excited to get into it. But first, we need uh, uh, something to help facilitate the conversation. Pedro, do you have a little pairing for us? I've got a little pairing for us. Um, so this album, as we said, it's heavy stuff. And there were some things that I definitely grasped to when I was listening to it. First of all, you you actually did use you know anime shows as, as an inspiration for this. Uh, JoJo's... Um, uh, um, I forgot the name of it. I just had it up. Bizarre JoJo's, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yep. Correct. Um, you even named one of the tracks after uh, Bucciarati, uh, one of the characters. And so I, I, I had to kind of dive into that. I was wondering why, why this character and like what, what this could possibly, how this could relate to the music, at least for me when I was listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's this character who uses uh, zippers to sort of, to attack people and, and to, to sort of uh, exert force on everybody. But the thing I read is that a feature of this gift of this stand, I think it's called that he has. Yeah. Um, stand. A stand is um, that he also uses it to, to hide away. Um, mm-hmm. He can also, you know, he just opens up this, this portal and just can tuck himself in there to hide from whatever he's in danger from. Um, and that for me sort of felt like a, a, a theme of the album. Just, I mean, it, it's so heavy and it, it makes me think back to all those times. I've always just wanted to sort of tuck myself away from everyone mm-hmm. and everything. And also there was, the, uh, when, I, when I looked up some videos of it, there's like a really cool, uh, like almost galaxy swirly purple effect going on when he opens the zippers and it's kind of a, it's a neat effect. So I kind of wanted to emulate that a little bit and use this and use that as sort of the inspiration for all of it. Um, so we're starting uh, with a little bit of hemp vodka to sort, a sort of a nod of, um, mm. to maybe that being what, you know, what your body needs and what the fuck is self-care. Um, <laughs> so we're starting with a little bit of that and then uh, some raspberry liqueur. It's nice and dark. And give sort of that purple hue, and then well, you know, with it, it's very sweet. So I kind of wanted to even that out. So using some you know nice dry champagne to give it a little a little effervescence and balance out the sweetness of it. Um, I also threw in some orange zest to complement the raspberry, and then um, I used some purple and white like luster dust to give the drink itself a little bit of like a nebulous effect. Um, give it some swirliness going on, kind of make it look as if uh, as if the zipper had opened up um, a portal in the drink. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to make this something, maybe not, <laughs> maybe drinking isn't the healthiest way to t- like hide away into anything, but I just kind of, <laughs> I kind of wanted to, to sort of give it, give it that feel. Um, and so I'm calling it a broken zipper. A broken zipper. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. When I came in here earlier to prepare, uh, Pedro showed it to me. I'm like, what are you calling this? And he's like, I'm not telling you until we're on the show. <laughs> this is, yeah. Yeah. This is like such a great concept thank you yeah god damn you're truly an artist Pedro. <laughs> i try but i think we're all ready to begin aren't yeah, absolutely. we absolutely cheers everyone cheers cheers, right. cheers to mike oh what you I wish i had the i wish i had the purple drink <laughs> what, what do you have over there this is a uh, whiskey and soda love it solid choice yeah. not bad at all nice and clean mm-hmm. get, got some push-ups in before <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I rode my bike earlier, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> I had to burn burn some calories one way or another. Are you okay? <laughs> I I think like the the most important question that I want to ask is how have you been doing, Mike? I I know that we're <laughs> 
we're, we're kind of eight months out from anime, but uh, but you grapple with some really personal stuff here. Um, how has your life mm-hmm. changed in relationship to the material um, since it came out? Um, you know, it was a lot of difficulty that I wasn't used to in putting this album out in that typically uh, when I release records, they are usually making some sort of commentary, but it's based outward mm-hmm. and not necessarily about me and what I'm going through. So um, you have the usual anxiety and usual, um, you know, energy around an album release and, and the exhaustion with co- that comes with having to push it. But I think, I think it was magnified this time by the subject matter being so sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to mention the fact that, you know, I released it when the world was still shut down and everybody, everyone was dealing with really uh, dire circumstances. So there was a lot about this album that was about just getting it out, doing what I had to do to try to make it as successful as possible, but then like emotionally wanting to move on from it because I wrote it... Um, I believe all of it was written, recorded, finished in 2019. I had largely processed a lot of this stuff by the time the album came out. But as people are hearing it, um, and I'm shooting videos for it and pushing singles and doing interviews for it, it really dressed a lot of it back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was it was challenging. Um, but I think I'm at a place now, especially like I said, I'm, I'm making a bunch of new music now. It's, it's not uh dealing with the same issues so I, I think largely i'm i'm at a different place than i was when when certainly when i was writing it and um and even now that it's been released even you know uh i've i've moved to a different place in terms of processing and what's it like for you revisiting these songs like you said you're making videos and you're promoting it but like looking back like how how do you how do you feel about the material uh, I really like it a lot. I, I I tend to focus on what I deem to be missteps, uh, mm-hmm. but that's just kind of the nature of me as an artist is, is that those things leap out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if I'm looking at things I'm celebrating, um, a song like Death Parade means a lot to me in that like that's a song about a subject like the cycle of trauma that is something that I deal with a lot and didn't I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make a song about it um and I really felt like the way I wrote to that beat and the way it was produced and kind of came together and came back around so that like the content matches in some ways the form um I really look at that song as a, as a personal triumph um and and I think people like that one a lot too so that helps <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been trying the more that we move away from quarantine to kind of like, <laughs> I think there was a conversation earlier where it's like, how many times do we want to ask questions about the quarantine, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, are are we, but, but the thing is, it's been a collective trauma. And even as the world opens back up, there seems to be this movement to kind of like push away those feelings. And I'm wondering, um in your own uh journey through quarantine and and coming out the other side of it do you feel like uh there's still processing that needs to happen uh yeah constantly um and and the way that i live life and make choices i don't usually leave room to deeply 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 process Mm. so i end up stacking things on top of things that need to be processed uh so certainly um 
I'm at a position where there's always something to process. And I, and I think in terms of what we've just experienced as a society or even as a world over the last year, there's a lot of side effects to that psychologically that we're not even done um, quantifying. Like there's going to be, there's fallout to stuff like having your world shut down for a year that I'm not sure we're certainly as a country, we tend to assume people's ability to just do what needs to be done and push through. Um, I'm not sure that's the case for everybody. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. sure we're adequately psychologically prepared for that sort of thing. Um, so I think that going forward, there's a lot of conversations to be had about what this has meant for people. Um, and since there's not a lot of avenue for those conversations, there's going to be a lot of acting out. <laughs> yes. what we do. It's typically what we do as a species. Yeah. <laughs> as, as a lot of our listeners know, I'm in school right now. And last weekend was the very first time that I met a lot of my classmates in person. Mm. And one of them brought his 18 month old daughter and she was just wow. running around um, and he was telling me like, yeah, like she hasn't really been outside before. She doesn't know what the world was like before quarantine. This has been her entire world. That is right. such an intense thought. I know. <laughs> I often think about, I, yeah, like, like what, especially for people who are still developing, what is the cost of having like a year taken away? I think about, um, there's a lot of kids who began some form of schooling in this form like mm. there's little kids who did kindergarten over zoom you mm. know there's teachers who had to figure out how to oh my god you know how to manage 10 to 15 kids you know like six seven year old kids on a you know trying to keep them focused on a zoom screen i, mm -hmm. I, I this year is gonna be interesting to unpack going forward i think you know we we've we're, we're of an age where we've lived through a lot of things and have a lot of stories to tell but you know i, I think this year is going to be it's going to be big psychologically for mm -hmm. a while oh yeah i agree so uh unless you guys have have any questions to ask about this i kind of want to move the conversation specifically back to the album yeah please okay so for um Mike, for our listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with your music, would you mind telling us a little bit about what you were going through personally leading up to this album? It, it's okay if you don't like. Uh yeah, just you know, family split. Um, and like the big things from that year was a family split and and um at this TV show called The New Negroes that on paper was set to like turn me into like a household name like this guy that's been like underground his whole life um and it happened and we did it and we put our best foot forward and it just kind of didn't work and got canceled uh so there was just like a lot of uh expectations meeting reality in really kind of harsh ways um in that year and and i was just unpacking like a, a an, an existential crisis in a, in a few different realms of life basically uh, especially for fans who know like your earlier work like there's still a lot of comedy baked into that. Um, do you find that that is very cathartic for you to use humor to get through darkness that way? Yeah, for sure. I, I certainly tried to do that less this time. Um, but I think this iteration of the comedy was more kind of like blues oriented mm -hmm. where you take us, you, you take a bad situation and you turn it up to 12 because you want to completely express 
and 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 like live in the absurdity of those moments rather than hide from them, which is maybe what I've done with comedy in the past. I wanted to lean into it even more mm-hmm. when I did use it and I tried to use it less. Yeah, I think it that's such a good way to put blues. And it's it's almost like you turned it up so much that you can't help but laugh at it almost. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there are some there was some absurdity about conversations I was having in life and like mm-hmm. situations I found myself in, and I wanted to, I wanted to express that, like, because that's the ty- that's the type of stuff that rings or or resonates with me anyway, like the the absurd and and um, I just really wanted to put that on display. Mm, absolutely. When I was reading a, a bit about your process behind this album. Um, you said it was about destruction and ultimately rebuilding, and you've talked about it as being this balance between being able to self-critique and practice self-care. And this is something I've struggled with for ages. Sometimes it seems like these are incompatible practices. Uh, what does uh, doing both look like to you? Hmm. I think both of them involve an honesty internally that hasn't always been readily available for me. Um, so, so part of the self-care is like really knowing what the problem is. Part of the self-care is really knowing where I require resources, where I require support to like not make a bad choice that I have continued to make. Like, but I can't do that if I'm not seriously in conversation with myself about what the issues are. Um, and, and oftentimes that's really hard to do. So it's like, I think that sort of self-critique is a component of self-care. Um, ultimately, but it kind of all has to operate within some kind of support system or else it's useless. Um, and the self critique, uh, is best done with, you know, with the, the help or guidance of a professional or, or a great friend or, you know, because, uh, when you're in very emotionally sensitive, kind of unstable states, you can critique yourself in a way that causes you to spiral. Um, yeah. where, where your, your negative self-talk might be so outsized, um, that you, you, it can cause you to distort your own image of yourself mm-hmm. and, and fall even further. Um, so I do think those things work in concert, but I do think it's important to involve, um, a trusted outside source where possible to help balance those two things out. I think that, and that the song, What the Fuck is Self-Care, captures that so well. Because it's sort of, if you're just on your own asking or like looking on a website, yes. like, what is self-care? <laughs> it's just a list of things. And it's like, what, huh? Like, what? It's just yeah, a bunch and it's of- not, It's not just a list of things. I, I, I mean, it, it, it is that. But I'm, it, I think in addition to that, it's a list of things that assume that you are a person with access to resources. Yes. And that we all need the same resources. Yes. You know, so like that's what I was. Re- those are the threads I was really trying to pull in that song. Was that like, you know, maybe it's not yoga for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and and you know, one because I'm an individual, and two because I live in the Black American ghetto, and it's not, you know, like that's that's not an easily accessible thing for me. Right. So then, you know, what do I do? Like that sort of question. And yeah, and sometimes massages fucking they hurt. Massages <laughs> yeah. are painful. Deep tissue joints, they got thumbs all in between your toes and shit. That shit sucks. Stop touching me. <laughs> I, I like the last line of that too cuz the like the anger is like building in that song with each what the fuck is self-care? Like the yeah. last one is like basically like feels like it's seething with rage. It's such a 
It's such a brilliant uh, progression in that song. So. Well, especially you, like man. nowadays, it's such a huge topic of conversation, self-care, things to do to treat yourself. Easy. That no one's really telling you what it means. Everyone's just yeah. sort of telling you what to do. And, right, like in a dessert. Yeah. But wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like they're just sort of telling you like, do this and you'll be fine. Um, but it's it's different for everybody. Oh, yeah. It is. And that that's really the main point is like, I, I don't I don't want anyone I, I don't want people to miss that like people have different needs, yeah. you know, and I, and I think that just is a lot of assumption about what it's going to help people based on what like people write articles, people mm -hmm. uh, profess themselves to be experts based on what appeals and works to for them. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's important to like add some nuance to that conversation, especially when people who are hearing it probably I mean, so many people, myself included, are so like uh, sort of unaware of like the idea of finding out what self-care means for me. Like mm -hmm. I, the lear learning what it is, is like part of all that. And it's OK to take the time. Absolutely. Sometimes I'll get into these moods that I call vibe seeking and <laughs> it, it'll be like I'm I'm looking for something specific. I like what is my body telling me that I need right now? And <laughs> then I go and I chase the vibe. Sometimes yeah. it'll be like I need to go for a walk right now. Sometimes it's I need to drink some tea on my balcony. Sometimes it is I need to be alone in my room watching South Park for five hours and <laughs> honestly yeah yeah what's the vibe go after it yes sounds like you need a vibe consultant friend. <laughs> yeah. the hardest aka the drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> you know what the hardest part of all that is though huh being like it's okay for me to stop and do this yeah it's oh okay my for me to just stop yeah. and do whatever i feel like i want to do right now the yes, permission's big that is the hardest part Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just had so much on my plate yesterday that like when I said I'm going to stop what I'm doing it for and I'm going to do nothing for an hour, I felt so guilty. Yes. Like I, I'm like I should keep working. Like what? Yeah, it's it's this like hustle mentality that's Tough. kind of bred into us. I mean, like we we I mean we're all aware of it as Americans. Like it's the individualist go get your own mindset and like. <laughs> I think I, I often uh, feel kind of cynical about it, too, because um, I think there's a kind of unhealthy individualism that can sometimes come up where it's like you're broken, you're less useful right now. Here's what you have to do to fix it. You know, mm. and, and I often think when we talk about self-care, you know, I ask, is this person getting like community care, too? Like, are they supported in seeking that out? Yeah. 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 I think that's real because um, in some cases a person needs to break from a community and tend to themselves. Uh, and in some cases, a person is by themselves too much and needs some sense of community. I mean, yeah. for me, um, I think that's, that's just reflective of this overall need to make the prescriptions more tailored to the person, you know? 100%. I was, I was thinking about this as you were talking, Mike. Um, my partner uh, lives with narcolepsy and she's been going to a lot of like Zoom narcolepsy uh, like seminars and support groups. And in one, there was a sleep doctor from Germany who was talking about the science behind narcolepsy. And the moderator was like asking him a bunch of questions about like, you know, what can the individual do? And uh, one thing she mentioned is like, how does one practice self-care? And I remember he like looked at her. He's like, what is that? What, what is mm. self-care? Mm -hmm. And it was like, 
it was a cultural thing. Like he, like in in Germany, they don't have the concept of self care, partially because like it's kind of baked into the society. Like uh, work hours aren't as bad. Like <laughs> there there isn't there's like a better social safety net. And maybe we might be getting too political, but like that's definitely part of it. Like we they have shelf yeah. toilets out there. You know what a shelf toilet is? <laughs> What's that? Oh God, they have shelf toilets. So like when you when you when you sit down on a a, a German toilet, um, and not everywhere, but a lot of places, <laughs> uh, the way that the basin is shaped, there's this flat part before it before it it goes to the pool of water, which is more at the front of the bowl. So if you when you poop. It's just sit. It just sits there for a while before you flush it. Cause culturally, there you're supposed to be like very in tune with what your body's doing. You know, like it's not supposed to be something that just goes in the water and goes away. Like you're supposed to have a look at it. Like, <laughs> it is on display in these yeah, toilets. Like, wow. That's that's really? part of their that's part of their culture. Is that like they're wow. they're not. Huh. They don't separate themselves from it the same way that we do. Interesting. Got to check for blood, I suppose. Oh, my God. And always. There's well, I mean, just well, so I mean, much. Like, the fact that we have to schedule out time to be like, this is for me. Right. Is ridiculous. Mm. It is kind of silly. And I'm thinking about like, you, in addition to like not wanting to see our poop, like we want to, <laughs> like it, we want to just like push away anything that reminds us of our own mortality and our own finality. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah like, absolutely. Why is every country so... Miles ahead of us in terms of toiletry. Why is that? I mean, we're pretty. We're God, a young country, we just and we're just stubborn. <laughs> young country. It's that Puritan work ethic. Yeah, so, yeah right. Can't look if, at your poop. You got to get back to work. If, if you're busy working, you can't sin. <laughs> so we're talking a little bit about self care, and one of the uh, one of the tenets of this album, uh, or like one of the tenets of self care in the context of this album, is anime. Like, let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about anime. How does uh, anime play into the themes of the album for you, Mike? Well, it's mostly about power fantasy anime, uh, in which typically uh, your protagonist starts out really weak, and they go against incredible circumstances and over the course of a show or a season or a hundred seasons and some of them uh, the character gains the power to defeat everyone and i think there's a lot that resonates for people in need of of the ability to feel powerful i think there's a lot of people draw from from um that type of anime so that's one part of it um another part of it that really resonated with me was that Anime is really good about exploring trauma. Like mm. a lot of times you'll have an anime show with the entire premise is that in the first episode, you're following some normal person and something fucking awful happens to him. The first episode. And then that's the show watching this character deal with um, the trauma of what just happened to them. And, you, and typically it's something so absurd or otherworldly that it's not like necessarily triggering, but it's still about, um, a human trying to deal with circumstances that have completely changed their lives in some quick and unforeseen manner. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot from that as well. I feel like even if, even if the circumstances are like, you know, pretty fantastical or huge, or maybe something that no one else would understand it, that I I like what you just said about that, the way it deals with trauma, because it's sort of like, it doesn't matter if no one else understands what you're going through. It happened to you. Mm -hmm. Right. I I like that. Yeah. We all need that thing that 
makes us feel that we can get through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think the unpacking of that is really, um, is really what appeals to me about, you know, trauma anime. Like, so, so I would look at it in, in terms of answering your question is like power fantasy relates to the, to, to the album in terms of me feeling powerless while I'm going through a lot of those things and looking for inspiration from those places and trauma anime in that like I'm a person who has experience with trauma and it's it it it's very compelling to me to see a story where that where that is on display where I feel like in a lot of American media they don't they don't push that too far mm. um like one of the things I appreciate about anime is like how far they will push a main character to expose something interesting about like the human condition. Yeah. You know, I got to make a confession here. I don't watch an awful lot of anime. So if I were to get into watching um like power fantasy anime, where should I begin, Mike? Um <laughs> let me ask you this, how much time do you have? How, like <laughs> and, 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 and 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 I and I mean that because uh some power fantasy anime uh is you know two or three seasons and some is like 30 seasons and it just you know it just depends on on like what what type of story best appeals to you you know well right now because my mode of coping is like uh reverting to an earlier stage of development so i watch like a lot of the cartoons that i watched when i was a kid and when i was in college and right now every day i will watch like four or five episodes of south park i wasn't kidding no, so, yeah. like, if I could replace those four or five episodes of South Park a day, what should I watch? Let me just say yeah. this, just in solidarity with <laughs> yeah. you. What I did last Sunday, uh, I had ordered the DVD of the G.I. Joe animated movie from 1987. Get out. And I sat and I watched that movie because I, I was very frustrated that uh, a couple of weeks ago I was really trying to watch it and you can't stream it anywhere. You can't even, like, buy it digitally on Amazon. It just oh, wow. doesn't exist that way. Huh. So I had to buy a physical DVD. And I sat and I watched the shit out of it because the same thing. I, I do a lot of that same thing. I or I similarly, I've been ordering old uh, catalogs from the '90s. Like I ordered some Sears catalogs from like '92, '93, like oh, wow. big thick ones. Yeah. Because I used to pour over that shit when I was young. Yeah. Like I used to like when when all I had was free time, I used to sit and fucking read these things cover to cover. Damn. So like they really put me in like. You know, if I'm if I'm looking for my vibe, that's that's my vibe lately. Um, Don't so, fight it, just do it. Solidarity, yeah. solidarity <laughs> on that. Um, but in terms of good power fantasy anime, I think I mean JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is good, and part of the reason that JoJo's was a really good anime for me is that, and and this is a tiny bit of a spoiler, but every season in JoJo's, the protagonist changes. Oh wow. Um. And because of that, and because of how different each protagonist is, uh, there's a lot of room for you to see yourself in these positions versus uh, uh, most anime in which they follow one character forever and ever and ever and ever. So, you know, you can you can see aspects about that character which might appeal or resonate with you. But in this one, um, there's more room for you to imagine yourself because eventually if they go you know a million seasons it would be you you know mm. yeah like what about do you guys watch anime um other than like you know 
Pokemon. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. What was that? What, what'd you say? Pokemon. <laughs> that was okay. Okay. Like, See, I, I never, I never watched Pokemon. Yes, but, yeah, I used to. Yeah. I used to watch Pokemon and like Yu-Gi-Oh. You know when what? I was younger. Pokemon is a good uh, power fantasy anime. I love. He's that He's an eleven-year-old kid who gets kicked out of the house I, to go <laughs> dogfight with uh, with with elemental oh, animals. I mean, geez. I still watch it sometimes now that it's streaming. Didn't I love it? Didn't Ash finally become a Pokemon master like only a couple years ago? Yeah, he like finally won one of the tournaments. I think <laughs> it only took him twenty years. Would have would have been a lot cooler if he didn't. <laughs> 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 where, where does uh, so Mike? Where does um, where does Paranoia Agent fall into this? Oh fucking shit! I love Paranoia Agent. I watch. See, okay. Yeah. I, to me, there's not enough anime like Paranoia Agent. Um, God damn it! Because there's, there's, so this is a Satoshi Kone who is just like he's like the fucking anime David Lynch. Like he's he's uh he's so all about subverting the form, so all about pushing the form, so all about uh as many explorations of tearing um identity apart as possible um i I can't i can't recommend that enough but that's the kind of thing like if you get into anime and you really fuck with it then like i would recommend something like paranoia agent uh and and also the the opening theme of paranoia agent has become a comfort song for me as well oh yeah (laughs) i just put i just put that on and i just start leaping around the house like a madman (laughs) Yeah, that that kind of blew my mind, and I think I had I I don't think I watched anything for a while after seeing that one. That was um that it's hard it's hard my... to yeah it's it's hard to follow up paranoia agent. It's it's such a unique thing among anime to have a story written that way. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have that one on DVD? No, uh, it's on Crunchyroll. So oh, uh, okay. <laughs> or, or or Funimation, one of the two. I I pay for all of them. I need them. I need yeah. them all in my life. <laughs> Yeah, we have Crunchyroll on our TV because my old roommate would just binge and she forgot to log out when she moved out. Nice. <laughs> oh, you gotta hold on to it. I, pr- I, I pray for your forever access. Yes, thank you. <laughs> May you never have to get on a dating app to try and get a password. <laughs> <laughs> we date for the Netflix login. There you go. <laughs> so, Mike, I think this kind of ties our conversation up pretty well. Things fall apart. We witnessed it on a massive scale this past year, but personal struggles can be just as devastating. So when things start to crumble apart from anime and, and you know, push-ups, how do you like to cope? <laughs> and, and I guess I want to I know from everyone, like, what is the way you like to cope? Well, I've learned in my therapy uh, to really uh, do the things that fill me with resource from... And a lot of that is from childhood. A lot of that is 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 putting myself in mindsets from before um, before I've felt uh, weak or impacted or injured psychologically. Um, so it's reminding me of when there was peace in my life. And a lot of that is like in my childhood. So the shit about the Sears catalogs, I've been um, ordering old comic books I used to have, watching old movies. Um, you know, really everything that I can do to engage my sense memory and when things were peaceful and balanced and harmonious in my life. Um, that is what I'm trying to ingest and stimulate myself with to fill my body with that feeling of being able to relax because there's there's the 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 pressure, the tension, the stress is different from back then. Um, so it's just being able to reconnect with that is, is done a lot for me. 
That is such a, wow, that is such an interesting way to go about it. I think that, because there was something I felt, I feel like that's sort of encapsulated in the line where you where you rhyme um, the toys that made us with lawyer papers, mm-hmm. which oh, uh, yeah. that like, I think that was like a, a line where I had to press pause because <laughs> that, that to me was like, oh my God, like that, that kind of kind of stopped me in my tracks in that way where that's that yeah you're you're revisiting that but then it's also you're dealing with both the past and the present when you're feeling particularly disempowered in the future combined with revisiting a time i mean i don't know if that's exactly if if those toys were if that was time where you felt um empowered or safe per se but i thought that that was a line that sort of speaks to what you're getting at there so yeah i mean i don't i don't think that i was okay because that 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 song right Black Mirror episode ruined my marriage. Like it's it's like it's not literal in the sense that like I don't blame right. the Black Mirror episode, <laughs> but like there was there was a night right there was a night where get on the Netflix, make the choice to watch the Black Mirror episode, and we did not it 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 didn't serve us as entertainment because it threw something back in our faces that we were dealing with, um and we and it 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 was kind of one of those things that was like, okay, well we have to, we have to confront whatever the fuck this feeling is. Um, but you know, we're going into Netflix off of having a, a, a few very successful nights of watching something like the toys have made us. You know what I'm saying? It's like very, very chill, very nostalgic. And, and, and at that point in, in my life, I hadn't necessarily made the connections I've, I've made now about what those old things mean to me. But when I revisit that lyric and that night in context, and yeah, it does it it does ring true. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I have something good to follow that up. That's just it's so intense. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was. See, I haven't been to a bar in a while. I forgot how to do small talk. Everything's just fucking. <laughs> oh, we never heavy do. We sledge. never do small Look, talk. This here. is this okay, is all good. we do. Wonderful. This is all we do when we go to the bar down the street. We're just like. <laughs> this is why we only go a few times a month. <laughs> how how do you cope with uh with loss? How do we? No. Oh, who cares? I was joking. I was making a I was making a poor joke. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, what, what you were saying got me thinking about something I did the other night, and I I do think that one of the reason why millennials and elder millennials like our our group our our generation. We tend to fall back into these things that are comforting because it's the last time that we felt secure and and the last time things felt uh well well before we got confronted with the stark realization that we were coming into a world that was crumbling, that things weren't affordable to us anymore, and that we're just gonna have to grind until we die. And mm. one thing that I did was I looked up a song that I heard on the very first DVD that my mom ever uh, got. It was like one of those showcase, like this is what a DVD can do. And she played it. And there was a song, there was a song by John Hammer from his album, uh, Beyond the Mind's Eye called Too Far. And it was like from 1992. And it was like computer generated music video. And I just had like the hook from that song stuck in my head at two in the morning. And I got out of my bed and I did a deep dive into the into the internet until I found that music video and I could watch it five times. And that's go. what made me feel good in that moment. It's the little things. Oh boy. Yeah. Well now you have to find that song and put it on the playlist. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. 
God, that'll be fun to try and find on streaming services. God, how many so- how many songs do you think, Mike, from that mixtape you showed us earlier are on the streaming services? Um, maybe not many. I'd say probably half. Okay, probably half. Yeah, I, you know, like that's 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 one of my hobbies is trying to figure out when songs that I love that I only have on tapes finally reach um spotify but i've but i've learned through that that there's a lot of like sneaky ways people put songs on spotify (laughs) without like clearing things with people Mm. uh because a lot of the underground hip-hop that i really love was full of um uncleared samples and legal hurdles Mm. and all that sort of shit but um what i've learned is it's really easy to like you could just make a compilation of shit put a cover on it Put a whole bunch of songs on it that don't belong to you and just put them on Spotify. <laughs> I've seen a lot of that shit. Mm. You heard it here, listeners. <laughs> it, it reminds me, um, somebody uploaded like their own version of SZA's Hit Different. It was called Hit Different Without That Guy. And it said in the oh, description, yeah. uh, without Ty Dollar Sign's part because I hate it. And it was just like uploaded oh, to a playlist. so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's there's wow. a lot of amazing things that way because I think Spotify I don't know they're they're sort of they seem a little bit asleep at the wheel sort of by design because they're sort of in the business of Spotify not so much well man maybe we cut this part I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the service that hosts our podcast <laughs> right that's they're not right. the only service that hosts your podcast that's true. <laughs> yeah right. shout out to Overcast my preferred <laughs> oh, yeah. provider that they all like to make fun of um, oh, yeah. three but uh, what's up. I said Spotify is actually only our number three most used platform. So as long as we don't piss off Apple, we're good. Mm. Or Stitcher. We should keep those two. We love Apple. We love Stitcher. We like but, Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> right. This was, this was crucial and, information and actually, for you to know, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you this. App, Apple will love y'all shitting on Spotify. Y'all might be able to get a meeting with Apple after this. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to keep having this conversation because there's so so much that I think that we have not yet tapped. Especially like I did want to talk about um your your show your your uh, podcast, and I also wanted to talk about your last album, your concept record. But like, unfortunately, the bar does close early. The bar does close early, <laughs> <laughs> and it's time that we moved on to our favorite game, hashtag mood. Who is ready? I think Let's I am. Do it. Drew, hit that hashtag mood theme song. And after the third try, we finally got Mike to listen to the hashtag mood oh theme song. And <laughs> I love the little dance that you were doing. It's it's that, quite a bop. That bass, that bass work is something else. That's that's really whoever, whoever's playing that bass is is uh is just doing a damn thing. Who do we have to thank for it, Anthony? <laughs> that is Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty. And you would be interested to know that they sent us quite a few of their of their beats and we chose one that we thought would work best with this (laughs) and what is this this is hashtag mood this is our favorite game we like to play it at the end of every show to flex our playlist building skills what we're going to do is head over to the tunes and tumblers hotline and pick a message left to us by a fan they will tell us how they've been feeling lately and we are going to each pick one song to match that mood 
Without further ado, Drew, do you have a message for us? You have one new message. Hey, Tunes and Tumblers. This is Wendy calling to leave my hashtag mood. I feel like my mood right now is a cross between um, existential crisis meets nostalgia meets I need energy because I'm about to be 30. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, So if you can make me a playlist that could cross all those off, that would be really rad. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Love you guys. Bye. Ooh, are we going to be able to check all those boxes for Wendy? It won't be easy. I got her. I got her. (laughs) Oh, dang. I got her. Yeah. Um, they might be giants. You're on fire. Oh my God. (laughs) Existential dread energy. Um, damn. What's the second one? Uh, nostalgia. They might be giants. I mean. Maybe. Well, okay, there you Come go. On. Yeah. I mean, you, want course, course, you want to talk about nostalgia. Off the dome right now, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Oh, oh that's yeah. a good one. That's a, that's good a one. very good one. I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking Mad World by Tears for Fears. Ooh. Yes. Come on. Wow. We're talking nostalgia. Fantastic. We don't even need time. We can oh, do this. <laughs> Pressure, pressure's on me. <laughs> How about the Gary? What do we think? The Gary Jules version or the uh, Tears oh, I, for oh, Fears? Oh, I said, oh, I said Tears for Fears. Oh, you said Tears for Fears. We need that nostalgia. You're right. Oh, yeah. I mean, both are. I, I mean, that's the uh, that's Donnie Darko version is Gary Jules, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Ooh. Okay. Let's see. Well, you know what? I'll just go top of mind. Everyone seemed to go that way. I guess we'll go flagpole. Flagpole city. Yes. 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 <laughs> that is an energetic, nostalgic hug. Absolutely. RV danger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's I'm not right. sick, but I'm not well. Oh. Yep. That was yeah. that was on the first now CD. Really? That wow. was a very that was, that was now one. Oh, now oh one boy. is still the only good one that has ever existed. That's incredible. The only one I ever owned was now fourteen. Trash. It had it had <laughs> the only song I remember off of it is check it out by the Beastie Boys. Oh my god. Whoa. I haven't thought about that song. It was like two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Boy. <laughs> well, wow. that was the fastest movie we've ever done. Yeah, that we, we just we just knocked <laughs> that out. <laughs> Thanks for uh, keeping us on our A game, Mike. Did anything else pop into your head, Mike? I mean, boy, you seem like you. No, nah, I was just loving wired. all of you guys. Is I would like now, like <laughs> I, I see this tape. I want yeah. this tape. Like, <laughs> I, I love these songs. <laughs> what we're gonna do? We're gonna make. Well, we make a playlist with the show. Yeah. You know, at the end that folks. Okay, can I got access. one more. Okay. okay uh, go. Primus. Primus. Jerry was a race car driver. Yes! Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh boy. Wow. I was just <laughs> listening to Primus <laughs> this week too. <laughs> Damn. This is good. This is good stuff. We should I, put out our now CD. I, I we'll love call it then. Then right. <laughs> that that the line in that that changed my life was he never he never won no checkered flag, but he never came he in never last. Never did come in last. Yeah. He never did come in last. I mean that oh, yeah. Why can't we why can't we live like that? Why why do we have to always be winning? Why can't we just as the internet? Yeah. Yeah, social media. Kind of yeah, makes it where you have time. to win or shut up. Big time. <laughs> like, big time. Why can't there... Yeah, why... why, why Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's the Shark Tank kind of mentality <laughs> of the world, right? Yep. Like, yeah. There's no room in the middle. But it's, yeah, there's no room for losers. Except mm-hmm. for us. Tunes and tumblers. <laughs> right in the middle. 
Straight never up. got a checkered flag, but never came in last. jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, we got like two new log lines out of this episode. Oh, yeah. Straightforward <laughs> and roundabout. New business cards, Pedro. <laughs> well, listeners, do you have a mood of your own? Leave us a message by calling or texting the Tunes and Tumblers hotline at 626-604-6477. Tell us what you're doing for Hot Vac Summer. And who knows, your favorite artist just may hear your voice on the air. Well, Mike, we've come to the end of the night. The lights are turning on. The bell is ringing. The bartender is telling us it is last call. I have experienced this quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to experience it quite a bit more now that bars are actually open. Indeed. But before we go, does anyone have any lingering thoughts? Mm. I'm kind of feeling like I should start looking into more anime. Honestly, there's good good stuff out there. Yeah. If, if you're if you're a big TV watcher and uh, you're interested in stories that are unconventional and and you know and, and oftentimes I think find ways to dig deeper, mm-hmm. I'd I'd fuck with anime for sure. What's up? Get that Crunchyroll subscription. Mm-hmm. <laughs> find that girl. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> find that match. Right. This is why Tinder exists now. Oh God. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Before we go, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I run a podcast network called Stony Island Audio, which uh, features a bunch of podcasts that are mostly in the hip-hop space. Uh, Flagship show is what it happened was, uh, where I sit with a legendary hip-hop producer and discuss their entire career. First season was with Prince Paul, and the one that we just concluded was the second season with LP of Run the Jewels, Company Flow, and all type of other fame. So, if you guys are interested in deep dives uh, of that nature, and then within our network galaxy, there's all sorts of music conversations happening. So, uh, look up Stony Island Audio and and get with some of our programs. You really want to check out what it happened was listen to the whole second season. Amazing stuff, LP. Thank you. Love it. Yep, love to see it. <laughs> Thank you once again, Mike. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start diving into some anime over here. In fact, Fantastic. let's let's down these drinks and uh, and get on it. Let's, let's it. flip on that Crunchyroll. <laughs> and thank you all for listening to Tunes and Tumblers. Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast. Be sure to like the show and Atwood on every platform. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. Also, if you go to the episode description and scroll to the very bottom, you'll find a link where you can support the pod directly on Anchor FM. Every dollar goes to keeping the lights on and getting supplies to make these delicious drinks. Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. Our hashtag mood jingle comes to us from the very talented Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty. And until next time, cheers. 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 Woo. Uh, can I ask you one last anime question, Mike? Sure. <laughs> uh, are, do, do you want me to keep rolling on this? I'm still rolling. I think. Okay. Oh, well, I guess this is. Um, <laughs> is it? Oh, okay. I, I just wanted to ask you, because you're talking about Crunchyroll. Have you watched an, an anime called Laidback Camp? I never heard of that one. Okay. It's like my roommate put it on because it's like very feel good. It's just something light during during the, the pandemic. It's just it's about teenagers that go camping. Okay, see that sounds like uh, what's it called? Uh, slice of life. Yes. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, okay. I can't okay. do it. Can't. I need. Do you think I need. I need. I need somebody to grow an extra finger or something like that. Something, something's got to happen. Something's got to happen for me. All right.